Hey Coconuts, we are back with another stock episode and you know why? Because you guys love it, okay? Our data tells us you love it and if you want to get even more stock-related content, you should head over to TFC Stock Geek Out. Check out our new podcast, TFC Stock Geek Out on your favorite podcast platform to get weekly market updates and individual stock deep dives to enrich your stock investing journey, okay? It's going to be very powerful. But focus on today's episode, we're going to talk about Chinese tech companies. Of course, I'm going to drop all your Alibaba, your Tencent, your May Tuan, you know, all those guys that are being talked about again and again and again and again. But I think in today's valuation, in today's climate, that Chinese stocks are broadly being dampened down, being attacked and sold down. There are some interesting tech companies that you can explore and learn more about, right? See if it fits your personality, fits your investment thesis, fits your portfolio. So welcome back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So good morning everyone and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. Now podcast with debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So my name is Reggie, your host for today and today we're going to spend some time to talk about three Chinese tech companies that I think are interesting and you should spend more time to learn more about. Whether you invest or not is another thing but if you want to be in the Chinese tech space or if you just want to invest in China in itself, these are some companies that you cannot not look at them. So as with any other investment and stock kind of content, I always like to give you the timestamp as to when we recorded this. So we recorded this episode on the 16th of September. It should go out in a few weeks' time. And by then, some things may have changed, but we are broadly accurate, okay? Because I'm not someone that is uh, very timely in my investment. I don't try to time the market. And I don't time the market. It's like very iffy these days. Like what is timing the market, right? If it hits your valuation, is it timing the market? You know, if you are dripping in, is it timing the market? Uh, yeah. But anyway, those things those things we can talk about it another time. Not a discussion on semantics, uh, but today we're going to focus on Chinese companies, right? And today we're going to talk about small tech because I think the Chinese uh, internet space is still being bombarded by a lot of legislations and what have you. So generally, all their prices are down. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you invest in China stocks, you are in a little bit of pain uh, and you are trying very hard to search on the internet to tell you like, oh yeah, actually the company is fundamentally very good, you know, in the future, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> So, I don't know which stage are you at. Are you already invested? Are you on the fence? Or are you trying to get people to affirm your thesis? Or you're trying to like find new things to buy and what have you. So, I'm going to take uh, these few companies to share with you my broad idea of China. What is the landscape that I'm painting going forward? And also, uh, take some opportunities to share with you how I analyze some of these companies. Of course, they are not going to be deep dives. We're not going to be spending three hours here today. I have about 20-30 minutes to talk to you about three different companies. So I'm just going to touch a little bit on their product, a little bit on their financials. I'm going to skip management. I'm going to skip valuations. And I'm just going to share with you what is the broad idea behind some of these companies and why I am uh, pretty excited about them. And then in the future, and the long-term growth of China as a... Uh, 
huge country with a lot of people and they're going to spend and spend and spend. And yeah, this is uh, some of my educated uh, views of things, okay? So I've specifically picked companies that are below $20 billion market cap, okay? By the time it goes out, whether or not it is still below $20 billion, you know, I don't know, okay? But at the time of recording, it's $20 billion. You can go and check back, okay? And the idea here is I definitely want to try my best to get multi-baggers, especially in the tech space. I think in the tech space, most people, when they invest, they want multi-baggers. Multi-baggers are people that, uh, companies that will give you like 2x, 3x, 5x, you know, or 10x, um, different kind of multiplier, like essentially, you want to get your big buys, right? So you don't invest in these companies to get your 10%, 15%, you know, year-on-year -year kind of growth. You want them to you know, run, you want them to fly, you want them to grow and you want the share prices to reflect the kind of growth, you know, in a few years time, right? So um, I'm not saying that all your portfolio should be like that. I'm not even saying that you have to invest like that. I'm just saying that if you are looking at some of these interesting uh, big growth plays, then companies that are in a smaller cap space, of course, have more propensity to move towards that if they grow and they grow fast, right? If you think about it, a company that's worth less than $20 billion, for them to become a $100 billion is quite okay, right? Quite a lot of companies out there today are worth $100 billion is possible. For a company that's already worth a trillion dollars, for it to flip to become $10 trillion is like, wow, this is like five apples. You know, five apple, not, not, not like, not like, uh, not like apple downstairs, man. <laughs> five apple, the company apple, okay? So how possible is it? So tend to be that if you want to find your multi-baggers, you have to go in the mid-cap, low-cap kind of space and sub-20 is something that I think is fair. Easy to find 5x-baggers if the companies are fundamentally strong. And easy, I mean relative, uh, relatively easier. Not, not saying that definitely what definitely will get. Uh. So, so please uh, make your own educated guess. I think what I'm trying to do here is to expose you to some of these other interesting things that people are not talking about. At least I don't hear much in the broad content space online or even uh, with independent analysts. Not a lot of people are writing about it. So these are the three companies. So I'm going to talk about the first company today. Uh, oh yeah, before that, before that, uh, sorry. <laughs> Before that, it's not recommendation, it's not financial advice. Please stick with your professional advice for entertainment and education purposes only. Okay, must cover backside. Uh, so, the very first company that I think is pretty interesting as a small tech in China is Trip.com. So, what is Trip.com? You may not be as familiar with Trip.com. Maybe you have, you may have booked your air tickets, your hotels, your travel stuff on Trip.com, but there's another company that you may be a little bit more familiar in Singapore. It's called Skyscanner. They're also under Trip.com. So, Trip.com has already acquired it a few years ago. But in China specifically, it is Xiecheng, Trip, and also Chunar. Uh, okay, so these two are their biggest tech play, their biggest platform, travel platform play in China. So as part of their extension abroad, they have invested and acquired Skyscanner and Trip.com. Of course, there are many other small little little ventures, but these are some of the bigger platforms that they own. So as a company, they're essentially a travel platform company, travel aggregator, right? So whether your airlines, your hotels, your travel miscellaneous stuff, your transport, and all the little bit of experiences out there, they have aggregated some of these things together and they are very, very big in China. I would say that when I was living in China, almost all my bookings are from these guys. The younger people will use Chinar because Chinar is like, tends to be a bit cheaper and the promo tends to be a bit more aggressive. If you can fly tomorrow or you can take a train tomorrow immediately, uh, they tend to have fire sale for a lot of these things because you must understand that 
the supply in the travel space, if it's unsold, it's unsold. It will never come back. Okay, it's, it's, it's not stored there ever. Like today, if the hotel room has 10 extra rooms that is unsold and it's there, tomorrow these 10 extra rooms cannot be resold again. So there tend to be very aggressive uh, discount promos on Chunar as a platform. So it's very popular amongst the younger folks in China. Uh, but for the more affluent, more executive level kind of folks, a lot of people will start using uh, C-Trip, Xiecheng. So what you need to know is that essentially they own um, some of the biggest travel portals. Lah. To put it very simple, they will use apps, they will use mobile first, whatever. Either way, they are travel aggregators and they own some of the biggest ones in China and also in the region. Okay, their market cap is at $10.7 billion. Uh, their cash and cash equivalent positions are at about $8.25 billion. Essentially, it means if they sell all the highly liquidable stuff, they can very readily get about eight point something billion dollars. Okay, their long term debt situation is about three point seven billion, plus short term debt is actually nine point seven billion. So the sad part is they are in travel, right? But they are not unique in travel in a sense that all their businesses in travel are getting affected. So they are not unique in this space, uh, but they have held strong, I would say. And China is going through a lot of transformation, and relatively, you are seeing numbers stabilize. So there's no increase in dip going forward. The recent quarter that comes out shows that uh, the lowest times have kind of stabilized so far and we're seeing a little bit of uptick in their financials. But what I think is interesting about the company is that China is spending a lot of money on infrastructure. So they're building a lot more railways, they're building a lot more airports, they're fixing roads into the rural parts. And all those development is trying to increase mobility of the people, trying to allow a lot of the city folks to go in and, you know, go green and explore the inner parts of China and also ex allowing the inner the people living in the inner parts of China to go to the big cities to work. So the base idea is to increase mobility. You don't need to agree that or, or disagree whether this is a good long-term infrastructure decision or is it a good strategy. But if you think about it, the US did this, okay, with the Amtrak in the 50s, 60s. Okay, so China is just doing the same thing, trying to connect its very big land mass and a lot of population to allow them to move around. When I look at this company, I'm like, yeah, it is riding on China's planned growth. Because as China built more train tracks, they built more uh, places for people to go to, people are going to start traveling more. So people are going to go to all these different places and they need a platform to transact. So all these small little, little farm stays, la, mini hotels, small little experiences, they all need a place to go and these guys are the place to go and they have already worked with a lot of big airlines, they work with all the railway stations and they own a lot of the supply chain. So in travel booking, there are a lot of cross-selling but there are some people that own all these suppliers and uh, these guys are the ones that own a lot of Chinese suppliers. In other words, they sign exclusive contract with certain hotels or certain airlines, certain trains, certain destination to say, that, okay, we'll represent you and if let's say someone else, a third party like WeChat, they want to cross-sell. Okay, WeChat also cross-sell travel stuff. Uh, then WeChat will have to work with me with Xiechang directly, right? So they instead of going straight to you as an independent hotel. So this is uh, how the back end of the system works. But it is interesting because going forward, you're going to see more Chinese people travel. Whether is it within the country or out of the country, they all use Xiechang, right? They all use Trip, <laughs> so, or Trip.com, uh, you know, and Chunar, right? So, so far, my experience with a lot of my Chinese friends is they all use these major platforms and it's all under Trip.com. So I'm amazed that people are not talking about it. If you think about it, Singapore just launched the 
Thompson East Coast Line. It's a stupid MRT line that links you to Springleaf Prata and Upper Thompson. And my God, I see people just like going there and I see more activity in the area now just because they built an MRT line, right? So same idea, but on a much bigger scale, people are going to travel, people are going to move around as ease of travel, as ease of movement becomes um, a better situation, right? So internally, more and more Chinese will travel within the country and also um, a lot of Chinese will start to travel out of the country as they get more and more affluent. So I think this platform uh, has a lot of strength going forward. Whether or not other newer platforms like Airbnb or some of the more social platforms that are coming up, whether can they cordon off a certain part of the market or whether can they rival some of these big boys, I don't think it's impossible. So as an investor, you must be aware to see if the numbers are sticky. Uh, are suppliers dropping off? Are we seeing uh, increase in revenue, increase in you know gross merchant value? That means are people buying more or what is the situation on these platforms, right? So it's not an NLB or it's not a deep dive, but it's an introduction to this company that I think... Uh, has some serious potential as China continues to grow and build out its travel infrastructure. Uh, actually, they didn't build for travel only. La, eh? <laughs> they built for movement. But because can move, right? So people not just move for work, people also move for travel. And now that movement becomes easier, instead of maybe going home once a year to meet their family, which is what the Chinese people do, okay? that means they go back to the hometown during CNY. If you are at a train station at China during... CNY, the, the month before CNY, you will freak out and you cannot get any single tickets. I'd rather you drive and the highways will all be jammed. Okay, and this is lived experience while I was there. So now with uh, better infrastructure, easier travel, faster trains, people becoming more affluent, maybe instead of going home once, they can go home twice, thrice, five times a year and they can go to all these other smaller places. You know, So with the infrastructure development of China being more and more serious, this company is going to ride that wave. They don't need to spend money to build the railway, build the airport. But because more people are moving, they are going to be experiencing that boom, at least in my view. So yes, definitely a company that I'm looking out for. And if you want us to do deep dives about this company or any other company we're going to talk about today, come to our Telegram group. Let me know. Hey, you know, this company, I want to learn a little bit more. You know, or if you have any questions specifically, let us know. Come to our Telegram group and, you know, I will find someone to talk about it. Okay, so next company that uh, I think is very interesting. The second company for today is Weibo. Weibo is not a young company, but it's still relatively small by market cap. And we'll talk a little bit more about this after a word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay, so we are back and we're going to talk about this other company called Weibo, ticker symbol WB. So the market cap today is $11.5 billion. So what is Weibo? Weibo essentially is Chinese Twitter. Okay, so just to put it very, very simply, it is Chinese Twitter uh, plus Blogspot plus social media kind of thing. Yeah, so it's a micro-blogging site. That's what they call it. Uh, it's definitely not like a 270-syllable kind of thing and you can send a tweet storm to, to talk a lot, a lot, a lot, you know. But the idea is uh, it is a place for a lot of these influencers and celebrities and people with opinions 
to go on and talk or even the day-to-day people just want to share their life and all that, uh, they do go up and, and do some of these things. And why do I think it's a very interesting platform that people are not appreciating it enough? If you watch enough Chinese media content, okay, whether is it uh, the recent Toko Shou Da Hui or whether is it like which is a stand-up comedy talk show or whether is it some of the singing competition or whether is it some of the dating competition dating shows where dating also become competition but okay whatever so if you watch enough Chinese entertainment um, not the drama drama you will see almost everybody when they are being introduced they will drop their Weibo next to the celebrity so the celebrities face down there they walk in right they shake their hand on the side they will do post production and add the name and below the name will be the Weibo address so imagine every single celebrity in Singapore when they come onto the television they they drop their Instagram account there something like that right so I think it's happening in the influencer space here Uh, but yes in China even the big media are doing that they're all dropping Weibo in other words almost every one of the celebrity have a Weibo account they cannot run away from it but everybody has it they have an official account and Weibo teaches them how to better manufacture content to meet the Weibo audience and, and all that jazz so they have the whole suite of supporting celebrities supporting opinion leaders to write more and create more content within their ecosystem and you are seeing some success in the stickiness of the user and uh, their growth of their users. Their monthly active users last year to this year, they acquired extra 43 million users on Weibo, okay? And total monthly active users about 566 million. So there's uh, more than half a billion monthly active users. Monthly active user means these users tune in at least once a month, okay? Daily active user total about 246 million uh, users. So these guys, they tune in every day, right? So, and... MAU and DAU in short form, they are all very important metrics when trying to measure a social media company or social media platform, especially those that use ads and use interactive tools to monetize. So like Facebook, Twitter, even TikTok, uh, Instagram, which is part of Facebook, who else? Snapchat. They all talk about MAU and DAU. So if you have some sort of idea of investing in social media companies or these kind of content platforms, you you shouldn't be too unfamiliar with it. Essentially, when more people are around, uh, more interaction, more stickiness, uh, more ad dollars will come in because people want to advertise to this bunch of people. So Weibo is not unique in this space. They also use the advertising model. Their current cash and cash position is about $2.9 billion. So they have about $2.9 billion in cash. Their long-term debt is at $2.4 billion. They do not have any short-term debt. In other words, they have no risk of bankruptcy. They can immediately pay away um, you know, and they can continue to grow and, and all that. So that's pretty good. Revenue... Had a little bit of a small dip in 2020. Um, it's not unique to them also because broadly speaking, a lot of advertisers are cutting money. They're removing cash um, during times of pandemic because nobody's really spending and all that. But Weibo has since taken a shift in their overall advertiser composite. So in the past, uh, a lot of the advertisers will advertise physical stuff, right? Or like travel, um, you know, I don't know, some bigger assets, consumer-related kind of things. But these days, they have a lot more digital kind of things where like games, uh, I think for a short period of time, uh, online tutoring, <laughs> which is being attacked. Okay, But you see the composite shift and you see them doubling down on these guys to kind of woo a whole new bunch of advertisers in. And recent quarter, you see a 46% increase in top-line revenue year on year. Right, So for the quarter, I think it's a... 
it's a good sign. It's a good sign that some of the management efforts are paying off and we'll see if they can continue to double down. But the problem with Weibo so far is same problem with Twitter, okay? But I think a little bit better because at least they are cash flow positive. They are, their free cash flow about 700 over million for the past few years already. But the same problem with Weibo is the same problem with Twitter is that monetization is a problem. Okay, so they are not yet optimized sufficiently to you know, be the best platform to advertise like Google, like Facebook. And they have all these other new platforms coming up like TikTok that is grabbing all the attention or WeChat is owning all the attention, you know, in the chat space. So they have struggled to get the kind of explosive growth over time. Maybe with this new pivot of a new bunch of advertisers that have a different kind of product repertoire that is easier to convert. It's much easier to convert people to download a game, right, on social media rather than getting people to I don't know, buy a house or something, right? So, so maybe with this new uh, repertoire of advertisers, they can show some sort of advantage in the acquisition process and more advertisers will pump more money. Also, with uh, more nurturing of more content in the space, maybe they can get more daily users, money active users and create a stickier platform, right? So I do think they are underappreciated. People don't seem to really talk about them. They don't really see this as a platform anymore. It's like, yeah, this is like a platform of the past. But in my view, right, if every single celebrity and every single political commentator, when they go on mainstream media, they, you drop your Weibo, dude, that is like, like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, everyone is doing that. So how can you not look at this platform as a platform where people... I uh, want to follow fans, I want to follow opinions, they go to they go there, right? So the kind of content interaction is very different from, say, TikTok and Douyin. So while a lot of people are saying Douyin is going to take over all the attention or some of the biggest streaming players are going to take over all the attention, I think Weibo sits in a very different situation, much like how Pinterest is sitting in the Western uh, social media landscape, right? So take a look at Weibo as a company. You never know and you can make some um, interesting information, interesting uh, decision to see if it's something that you want to explore, right? I definitely think it is underappreciated and let's see if they can uh, continue to grow and, you know, double, triple, quadruple, be the multi-bagger. Okay, last company. I know I did say I try not to go for the big guys and I don't want to... <laughs> but I have no choice but to name drop the third company is Tencent Entertainment. <laughs> so Tencent Music Entertainment, TME, is the ticker market cap of $13.9 billion. So what is TME? I'm sure you guys know Tencent. You know, they own almost every part of the entertainment space in China. Whether is it chat, whether is it games, whether is it music, streaming, and all that jazz, right? So Tencent Entertainment, uh, Tencent Music Entertainment, it's essentially the spun out of uh, Tencent where they focus on a lot of the music content, right? So karaoke, live stream, music consumption like Spotify and all that jazz, right? So if you go and look at the suite of apps under TME, it's not small, okay? So Kuko, Inyue, QQ, Inyue, you know, Kuo, uh, Inyue, whatever, okay? So all the all the cool something and the QQ something, all the major music apps are under TME, Okay, and also like even Laren Changting, um, some of the newer apps that are getting traction and uh, focus on long form audio content, which is not all music, they are also under TME, right? So TME owns 
essentially the whole distribution of the music landscape, which is why the Chinese government really want to corner and attack them. They say that, oh, now you cannot just exclusively sell JJ Lin, you cannot exclusively sell J. Cho, and those are the exclusive media licenses that China is really robbing them away from. What does it mean? It means that now not only they can stream JJ Lin, J. Cho, and all these guys from the big media labels, uh, their competitors like NetEase can also stream these guys. Right? So it does not mean that they can no longer stream them. It means that other people can also stream them. It is not exclusive to Tencent Music Entertainment anymore. Okay? But you got to ask yourself, if Spotify and YouTube Music and Apple Music, they all can play the same thing, does it mean that you're immediately going to shift to Spotify? No. Oh, it doesn't mean that immediately going to shift to YouTube? Maybe not, right? So the overall consumer experience is important. How the algorithm pushes you, the music that is relevant to you is important. All the additional experiences are important. The price is important. So it's not as easy as, oh, you know, these guys lose mu exclusive music license, then oh, everybody's going to shift out of TME ecosystem. Like all the consumers are going to go somewhere else or because someone else can do better. If you think about it, even if somewhere else like NetEase or what other competitors they have, reduces their price and try to acquire more customer, it is not that linear and can they compete with TME over time? I mean, which is why Shopee and Garena, C Limited want to raise more money, right? They want to compete, get a bigger watch as compete with their competitors. So TME is backed by Tencent. Tencent is all the money in China and yeah, lah, you get the idea, right? They are not the easy guys to attack. But it does not mean that this risk is not possible. It has basis. Consumers do move around, especially if you no longer have all the content that they want. But as with any other big streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, they all recognize this big problem that they face with uh, these kind of music giant companies, right? So Warner Music and Universal Music, they own almost a whole part of the music cycle and the music uh, entertainment space. So all your celebrities, they produce the songs, they produce, they invest, they distribute, everything is theirs. So it's very hard to negotiate with these guys, um, which is why they usually, a lot of these streaming players, they pay a lot of licensing for all these big guys and then they undercut the smaller creatives um, to make up for the difference in, in, in cost of running the product. So as with Spotify, as with Apple Podcasts, they are also into podcasts now. They have created long-form audio entertainment. They create comedy entertainment. They create audio dramas. Uh, they fund to produce. So the internally, TME is producing a lot of content that now is theirs. It's not exclusive licensing rights anymore. It's I produce one. This is my content. Right? So if they can run faster as with, you know, compared to their, their competitors, then hey, you never know. Um, can, can they continue to dominate the space? Maybe they can. Right? And while people are still fighting for you know, all these licensing rights, they already move forward and build their own originals. Right? So I think this is something that you cannot underappreciate. And overall, they have about 66.2 million online playing users. So paid membership, paid subscription is an increase of 40% since last year. It's pretty wild, yeah? Of course, uh, we are seeing the overall MAU, monthly active user, in the free segment uh, is dipping. Okay, And you cannot discount the power of TikTok and Douyin growing. So... All these will change. All these will affect. By the core, the business is strong. Cash situation is $3.47 billion in cash. Long-term debt is $831 million. They got no short-term debt. Essentially, when you buy this company, right, your every dollar that goes in, you get more cash than debt. Right? So you're actually buying cash also. Right? So it's not uh, something that 
you should discount because a lot of companies are very debt laden, especially in the tech space. Um, I would argue whether you can put TME as a tech player. Of course, this is everything is tech enabled. But yeah, think about some of these companies. I think overall, they all have interesting positions in where they are. I try very hard to look for the best in class. And I think they are the best in class, if you ask me. They're the best in class companies. They are underappreciated. There's no other competitor for Weibo. There's no other competitor for Trip.com. There's no other real competitor for TME. There, there is a smaller competitor. NetEase is a relatively big competitor for TME compared to the other two companies. They don't have serious competitors. And uh, their financial situations seem good. Long-term seems good. Uh, definitely companies to look out for if you're not as interested to just look at JD.com, Meituan, Alibaba. Like everybody's talking about those guys. So I did take some time to look at them and I do own a few of them for clarification. I own Trip.com and Weibo and I am looking at acquiring TME. So that is clarification for you. Um, and yeah, so i going to sum up these three companies that you should look out for if I have not summed up enough. Number one is Trip.com. They are a travel aggregator platform that owns Skyscanner, own Trip.com, Trip, Xiecheng, and Chunar. All the major travel websites in China are owned by them. Definitely a company to look out for, especially as China continues to build its infrastructure for the ease of movement of individuals. Next company, number two, is Weibo. So Weibo is a microblogging site. Essentially, it's Twitter plus Blogspot. So essentially, you can write more than 270 characters. And all the celebrities have a Weibo account. All the political pundits have a Weibo account. All your influential people, they all have Weibo account. And Weibo spends a lot of time grooming these people to teach them how to write content and build their ecosystem. And they've taken a pivot in their advertiser uh, mix and you're seeing that kind of growth, 48% top-line revenue growth for a company that is so mature and so old already. And it's only $11.5 billion market cap. And net debt is zero. Huh? They have more cash than debt. So interesting. Take a look. A third company is TME, Tencent Music Entertainment. Right? Uh, I mean, we've talked about this a lot of times. They're essentially Spotify plus Apple Podcasts, everything in China. Lah. So all the music streaming guys, they are all in China. They are all owned by TME Group. Of course, they have lost their exclusive market licensing for a lot of these big kind of music streaming labels but they are also struggling with the whole like cost of these kind of big music licenses so now they have also pivoted to build a lot of their own content and they're going to continue to double down on customer engagement customer experience and we shall see if customers will stay sticky with these companies so yes uh, check them out let me know what you think if any particular company you want us to talk more about and deep dives drop us a message on our telegram group and we can arrange to do a deep dive of some of these companies so yes with that I hope you have a great day and you learned something useful today see ya I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is so much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your social. Subscribe and leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Share with your friend, help us grow, blah blah blah, you know. <laughs> and if you have any interesting thoughts to share or you know someone that you want to hear from, reach out to us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day. Ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so yes, um, I'm not the biggest fan of giving stock tips and, and all that. So I try very hard to give you a little bit more depth as to why I look at the company, what's the long-term um, factors that are, are in this company. And uh, you have to make your own decision. You have to make your own educated guess. You've got to study the management, study their policy, uh, study their strategy in, in deeper uh, fashion, look at their modes, look at their competitors, look at the sector. Ultimately, you make your decision. Okay? So, uh, but these are some companies that I either own or I'm looking to own. And it's very popular content format, lah, right? So if you <laughs> let me know if it's if it's something that you guys love, then you know down the road periodically I can do some interesting things that I see, whether it's ETFs or you know uh, what have you, uh, to give you guys some uh, thoughts into some of the latest interesting products and and what have you, right? So all that jazz, good stuff. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for supporting us. This for today's content. Next week, I think I know. I previously I said that we're gonna do a little bit of IPO stuff. Um, I am trying to do a little bit of IPO study to kind of pick what is interesting. Uh, I have a few in mind, but I only have two so far. So right, give me a little bit more time to find a third interesting IPO that recently IPO. Okay, personally, right, I don't buy IPOs. Huh? I just want to give you an idea. I don't buy IPOs because I'm not sure if the management can handle as a listed company and I'm not sure what's the internal liquidation process going to be like. Because a lot of these companies, um, they are being funded by all these different venture capital. They are being funded by the banks. And once they get listed, all these, uh, what we call institutional money or smart, quote, quote, unquote, smart money, they want to leave. They want to sell down so that they can take the cash and then go through the same cycle with like startups and then grow ups and blah, 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 right? All the way to listing. So I don't like when I'm stuck in such a situation where investors are, you know, changing a lot of hands and we have not kind of found a stable core of investors that will hold these companies for the longer term. So generally, within the first year of IPO, I do not buy it. Also, it's something I learned from my senpai, right? So that is that. But, you know, although I don't buy in the first year, <laughs> I still need to study them and kind of learn what's interesting and what's out there to know that, oh yeah, maybe down the road I can own them, right? So that's that. If you have any interesting IPOs that you want us to talk about, hey, also come and talk to us on our Telegram group. We can expand on that. Bear with me. Give me a little bit more time. I will find um, the third IPO that happened in 2020 that I think is interesting and you can explore. Okay, so take care. See ya.